0: My name's Nathan, your most Galaxian host.
1: My name's Andy, your most Galdecott-did-nothing-wrong
2: host. And I'm Pat, your Stranger-in-a-Strange-land host. Mm. So, uh,
0: we're going to talk about our weeks in a second, fellas, but I just wanted to say today, uh, with so many serious things going on in the world, uh, people dying... Uh, huge pandemics taking out hundreds of thousands of people, Uh, we thought, hey, why not go a little later and talk about science fiction? Because we're assholes. (laughs) Well, we're privileged, you know. That's right. I I am white. I know I've mentioned it on the pod before, but this is our white privilege.
1: Middle class, American, male, cis, hetero. We got it going for us. Hell, yeah. no, one of us is a Christian, ah. which statistically is under average for American,
2: mm. but on uh, right
1: about on average for the world, so. Uh, no. Except that one of us would need to be, I think, Hindu.
2: Anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, how's everybody's week? Good. Uh, I'm lined up for my next shot
0: tomorrow. Hell yeah. Nice. And then... And then in two weeks, we can have a pretty hot and heavy makeout sesh.
2: Hell yeah. Um, and then I got to see my family for the first time in Aww. forever this week, which was super rad. Um, got to see my nephews, my two sisters, my mom. Um, it was a good time.
3: That's
0: awesome.
2: Yeah. I think you have a very... They're all vaxxed, except for the kids. And... Um, I think you have a very low chance of catching it even after the first shot. I think it it goes down to like 20%, which is right. not nothing, but um, you know, you're already pretty well inoculated. And my understanding is that it's the same shot both times. Yeah, which is weird. Well, the first um, one from
0: what I understand it gives your body a chance to build up a bunch of antibodies and then the second one sort of attacks those antibodies yeah hmm yeah interesting so that's why people feel crappy after the second one because the first one isn't so much about like attacking you with the virus as it is mm-hmm. and like a lot of up.
1: people a lot of people who had had covid felt crappy after the first one but fine after the second one.
2: Oh, interesting yeah that makes a lot of sense because I mean, by the time, mm-hmm. yeah no not you
0: no, I felt fine after the first one and then pretty crappy after the second one. But, mm. again, it was for a couple of days, and it was, like, no yep. question, like, a million times worth it.
2: But it was unquestionably COVID that you got.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I got tested. I had to stick yeah. I had to stick a giant Q-tip, like, way up my nose and, like, twirl it for 15 seconds oh, each yeah. nostril. Well, hopefully I have
2: completely sidestepped that part, because that actually sounds worse than getting sick. Mm-hmm. mm
0: yeah, well, the tests are wildly uncomfortable. As long as I didn't have to stick it up my butt. <laughs> brammer, That's brammer. fair. So, um, I had I had
1: some stuff going on this weekend as well. We went um, and we went to a wedding. Caitlin was in the wedding, um, and I was there, just you know, arm candy. Um, hey, and yeah, <laughs> and at the uh, the rehearsal dinner, we went to a uh, a restaurant, Burntwood Tavern, I think it was oh yeah that place is great it was fine um (laughs) well the thing is like because it was a set menu which Uh the options were um french dip sandwich Uh um chicken or salmon and i as as i've mentioned before uh, as a result of this podcast and the research i've had to do for it i am now vegetarian hi lexi Hi, Aunt Maggie. Um,
0: you've you sort of talked about how you've been trying to like cut back, but are you like co- claiming to be officially vegetarian now? I haven't had meat in a f-
1: couple weeks, and oh. I kind of had this sort of I, re- I I reached a turning point in my thinking where, because you know, the n- number one thing and. I've known a little bit about the problems and then after we did all the research for the vegan episode, I I really knew about a lot of the problems with, with the meat farming and everything. But, um, at one point, you know, uh, there was always this sort of like, yeah, but I really like X, (laughs) right? But I want it. And I just sort of decided or reminded myself, I guess. That it's, what I want has absolutely nothing, is not even relevant when there are beings that are suffering. So if, as long as they're suffering, I can go without. That's it's made it a lot easier. There's so much good
0: food. And I will say, like, I want to uh, revisit, I want to have Lexi back um, and talk yep. about food some more. And Lexi can talk about a million things, but... One thing that came out a couple of weeks ago is there's a company that is has learned how to lab-grow chicken. Mm. So they're going to have lab-grown chicken. and I think it's, it's starting out at like $8 a pound, which seems a little expensive. But if you want chicken and it to be cruelty-free, that mm-hmm. seems really cheap. The other thing Fruit, they're saying yeah. is they think after they're able to get to market and be out for a few years that they can drop that price by a factor of five. Oh, wow. Which means, if lab-grown chicken is suddenly cheaper, like real chicken is suddenly cheaper than the other options on the shelves,
1: yeah, like what's that? What's that going to do? That's a, that's that's amazing, and people are going to buy it. I think it's a yeah. game changer. Um, lab-grown meat, I think, opens up a lot of ethical possibilities to wait ways to eat meat ethically. Yeah, that just don't exist right now. And and once but, you get
0: it. Once you get it cheaper than the cruelty option, then what possible reason
1: do people have not to use it? Absolutely. Um, Except that because Americans are cruel people. But anyway, so I bring up, (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) I bring this up because, so we're at the restaurant and I asked the waitress, like quietly, like, you know, are there any vegetarian options? I know it's a set menu. So if not, I'll get something that has some vegetables in it and I'll eat the vegetables. But, um, so she goes and asks the chef, and she comes back out, and she goes, So the chef said that the only vegetarian option, um, is you could get the salmon. And she pauses. <laughs> Full stop?
0: Full and stop? I just
1: looked at the her and What's went, the end
0: of that sentence.
1: Get the salmon, except you have some, like, yeah. a, what you... you're going to substitute <laughs> in. No, uh, t- uh, like, no, I think what she just looks is... at me. And you can she's like, you can get
0: the you can get the salmon to drive you over to Chipotle so you can get some of that sofritas stuff <laughs> um so <laughs> i was like so
1: so this the person sitting across the table from me one of the other bridesmaids looks at her and goes i is there like what do you do instead of salmon she's like oh well you know the salmon would be the only vegetarian option that's available
0: it has a face it's not l- a vegetarian option. How I dumb looked you? at her, and I was
1: like, "Do you mean that the salmon was only fed
2: plants? Because salmon is fish." What she means is pescatarian, which you know something about, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah You've I've done been that as well before. But, um, but sh- no, she she
1: then says, "Well, you know, because fish isn't technically
0: a- <laughs> no, don't finish that sentence. Oh, my God. Uh, there's
2: a quote from Nirvana. It's okay to eat fish because they don't have any feelings. <laughs> oh, man. Right.
1: I We we were laughing about that for, like, the entire rest of the night. So what did you end up school? eating? Uh, I ended did up Did you just eat the salmon? The, did you I order, like, fine.
0: No, I, I ordered... Salmon the, it
1: is. I ordered the chicken because it came with... Um, Uh, potatoes and and something else some like a couple veggie sides and caitlin had the chicken
0: (laughs) well that sucks like imagine being a vegan at that place like maybe just like i don't know
1: good luck just through there their regular menu had a couple options but it's definitely not a place for non-meat eaters it's a meat oriented (laughs) place which is right. so fine. I didn't get to choose. The, I had, no, you know, it's it was a rehearsal dinner, so I, like I just go with the flow. Like I'm not, here's the thing. I'm I'm really really not interested in and in trying. I'm not trying to be like preachy or anything about it. Like it's my life. I'm doing my thing because it's what is right for me. But um, I'm not trying to like shame a restaurant for not having vegetarian or vegan options readily available or any shit right, like that But I, i'm not gonna
0: raise a stink i'm not that i one. feel perfectly comfortable shaming a restaurant for not really realizing that salmon have faces and anything <laughs> with a face is not vegetarian right no so, i feel perfectly comfortable shaming uh the burnt down tavern well that, that was choir.
1: it was more that waitress and i guess the chef Caitlin, I was just telling them about the, um, yeah, the vegetarian salmon.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that yeah. was a great time. This, this particular salmon has eaten nothing but vegetables its entire <laughs> life. Well, so for my week, what I uh, chose to do basically this weekend is, all let right, right, let's, let's time travel back about a month. So uh, speaking of Lexi again Lexi and one of her friends in Toledo a friend of mine Ter- uh, friend of mine as well Taryn, had started doing DoorDash and Lexi found like decided to try it out and decided she really likes it like whether she makes a lot of money or not is sort of beside the point it gives her a chance to sort of like get out of the house and drive around and listen to some music and do some stuff so she decided she liked it and she encouraged me to sign up and The thing is, I haven't really been Ubering for a year, and I'm looking to get back into it, but the problem with Uber is, it's really slow sometimes, and I was looking for something to supplement those slow times. So, I signed up for DoorDash maybe a month ago, with no intention of doing it right away, and so, they start sending me these messages being like, hey Nathan, time to get that first ride in, and I'm like, "Eh, no, (laughs) not, not yet, like... Because at first, I, I did it before I was fully vaccinated. You know, I was I certainly wasn't going to go out and go into these crowded restaurants and pick up food before I was vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, the first weekend, they're like, hey, bud, let me tell you. If you, if you go out and you do 20 rides this weekend, we're going to pay you 100 smackeroonies. I was like, that sounds good, 100 bucks, but I'm busy this weekend, so whatever. And... <laughs> The next weekend, they sent me a, an email like, uh, "We noticed you haven't been driving yet. Uh, we will give you two hundred smackerunies this weekend if you go ahead and go driving." Is that? Oh, hey! Is that how
2: long th- will this thing go? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's let's see. <laughs> right. right. So I was is, planning is on doing like. Is
1: this your word or their word,
0: smackerunies? Uh, I I did I did use smackaroonies. They said clams for some reason. Oh. it's weird. Oh, really? Um, but no. So I ended up. Uh, I was going to do it. And then some stuff came up and I just didn't have time, so whatever. And then this weekend rolls around and they send out, I mean, it felt like they were exasperated with me, but they're like, all right, last chance, $300, 20 rides, take it or leave it. And I was like, yes, I will do it. So (laughs) I drove 20 rides for uh, DoorDash this weekend and... It is really easy to, like, wait around in, like, a super overcrowded restaurant where, like, it takes forever for them to get you your food. When you know, like, you're making an extra $15 per delivery, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I will wait a long time if you pay me fifty dollars per. Like, I'll just, I'll sit here for however long. But I realized a few things. So, first of all, I made a decent amount of money this weekend but not really from the deliveries. I don't know how much I'm gonna actually DoorDash. A um, Couple of things I noticed is like Cleveland restaurants, and I'm sure this is true in general now cause I hear conservatives whining about it all the time. They're wildly understaffed. Um, I went into many restaurants, like I picked up from a Little Caesars where there was one woman working in the cash register and the kitchen and taking the orders and everything. Um, mm-hmm. And that seemed so crazy to me that they could stay open with one employee. Um, and of course, it was it like took time for her to get me my pizza, and I did not complain at all, <laughs> like not even a little bit. I went to a Denny's, uh, like at two in the morning, uh, and I had two orders there, and there were two people running the whole thing, two women running the dining room and the deliveries, and the kitchen, and everything. Wow. And so again, it took them like half an hour for them to get me my food, which, like, on a normal night, I would have been really frustrated. But, like, since I had two orders, and they're going to take a half an hour to get it to me, I was making an extra $30 on those orders. So I didn't care. I, I'll happily wait and, like, give you guys as much patience as you need. Right. Um. Yeah,
1: Kate, Caitlin, Caitlin's restaurant has, I think, basically been operating, like, they have – they have to shut down entire stations in the kitchen at dinner. Yeah, like, like there's I just like no a... apps. Sorry, no appetizers. Just we have no one to work a fryer.
0: Yeah, P- picking up from Chipotle last night, they just shut down the they shut down uh, the in person. Like you couldn't walk in and order. It was all online. Oh wow! And the entire restaurant was full of people waiting next to each other. Which, if I weren't vaccinated, would have freaked me out, but I am, so I can like do whatever I want now. So nice. The the other thing I realized, so like restaurants are understaffed, and it's not the fault of the people who are actually working there. It's definitely not the fault of the people who aren't working there. It's the fault of the restaurant. If you want people to work at your business, pay them a living wage. You will find those positions fill in real quick.
1: Well, and especially when you're talking about the restaurant jobs, it's not even just about the money because, well, it's not just about the money. It's also about um, the lack of any support in those kinds of jobs. Like yeah. you're treated by like by the uh, manager, staff, and and the corporate is always trying to cut payroll and limit costs and you know increase their margin and then i mean let's be honest most people maybe not most people but a huge portion of people who go out to eat at restaurants treat their servers like absolute trash
0: and especially now like yeah. even worse than normal it's and
1: ridiculous
0: like you think so Here's the other thing. I was going to mention a couple of things that I learned about Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, we are terrible tippers. Like, mm. people people don't tip. Like, period. Um, just, like, I, I would do, like, I did 20 rides this weekend. And a lot of them were late at night. Like, I'm bringing people food at, like, 3 in the morning. Which you'd think would, like, people would be appreciative of. And I think out of those 20 rides, I think I got three tips.
2: Maybe four. Wow. Wow. That is pretty low. Yeah, wow. that sucks. I don't yeah.
1: I don't get food unless I can give a 20% tip. Like, I don't... Yeah. You know, I'll make like, it myself. Like, that's the thing.
0: Is It's part... Like, if you're going to order food, you should work that into your equation. And, like, I feel bad talking about it as, like, somebody... Like, I didn't have to worry about it because I was getting $15 extra per ride, so... I don't give a crap if you're tipping me or not, but if you're ordering like ordering these people to come bring you food and sometimes the minimum thing on DoorDash like there are 2 and $2.50 rides. So like you're paying me $2.50 to go to the the store and then drop food off to you at your house. Mhm. Like that's that's not enough money for anybody to do anything. <laughs> so Right. So no, anyway, I, I so it was, but I like for me it was it was an interesting look into sort of the Cleveland restaurant scene and sort of how DoorDash worked in general, mm-hmm. and sort of how Cleveland works in general. And I was not impressed by <laughs> much of any of it.
2: Um, you think you might keep going on it, or are you done?
0: Uh, I you know what? It's still a pretty attractive option if I'm sitting around waiting for Uber rides and don't have anything to do. To just flip it on and at least keep myself busy when it's slow Sure. Um, but by Grabthar's hammer what a savings by Grabthar's hammer
3: what a savings
0: let's go ahead and talk about sci-fi
2: shall we so are we exploring like particular titles or less less so like the the genre itself Hey, this is and freeform jazz, baby. You do you do make it do what it do. We're doing whatever, because I know you guys are huge Trekkies. I am <laughs> less so of a Trekkie. I saw a lot of the old movies, um, like the '90s movies. Right,
0: I believe I believe you referred to us having Stockholm syndrome <laughs> <laughs> in a different
1: episode. First of all, the term you're looking for is Trekkers. Not Trekkies. Really? Yes. Uh, is
0: it? Okay. We
1: Trekkies and we know
4: it. We Trekkies and we know it. I,
0: I'll like, take your expertise on it, sure. I, I don't care. And second of all, I'm,
1: I'm actually a latecomer to Star Trek. Um, I mean, I, I've always known that I I've seen a few episodes and knew that I liked it, but... I had never really, like, watched it until the last three years-ish. Where I sat down and went... I watched the original series. Then I watched the Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, all of the movies. Jumped back to um, Enterprise, which was painful. Your favorite. Yeah, I I had to watch... I had to go through... I had to try, like... I had to break it. It's only four seasons, and I had to break it up into three segments because it was so bad. Um, and three sittings—that's not bad. Not sittings, like like <laughs> I I would watch like about a se- I watched like eh, about the first season and had to put it down for like months, and then came back and watched the next two, and then had to stop again because it was awful, and then I came <laughs> back a, a but you're still, couple months but later. But you're still
0: a completionist, and you wanted to make sure, like, you got through I, all of it. I couldn't not finish. I mean, you know. Um oh, man.
1: So, so, anyway, yeah. Oh, and Discovery, and I literally, just
2: tonight, finished Picard. See, here's the thing. I I always knew that Star Trek was, like, a very particular thing. Right. That if you that if you start it that you're going to like go deeply into it and it's going to consume like a huge portion of your life. I I just was too busy for all all that shit. The thing about Trek is so you take Star Wars for
0: example and it's a big, a big action franchise. If you take everything else out of it, it's just a bunch of action movies and they're cool and they're over the top and there's tons of explosions and stuff. And it's not that there isn't any action in Trek, but really, what it is is episode after episode after episode of morality puzzles. Yeah, I mean, is really what it comes hmm. down to. It's like these these different things, like what if there was a planet where everybody was horny all the time, you know, <laughs> like whatever. Like what if what if robots were sentient? It like whatever the situation is, they come up with these different morality puzzles. And they tell a different one every week. And some of those morality puzzles are incredibly captivating. And some of them are, (laughs) like I think I've referred to this before on a previous pod, like not good, like really, really terrible. I'm currently, so Andy, you were talking about Enterprise and how you're having to take time off uh, (laughs) from season to season. Uh, There's an episode where Beverly Crusher goes to uh, Ireland Planet and inherits her grandmother's old house. Yeah, and there's a there's it's the a best. There's a horny ghost who keeps on... there's literally a, a line where I'll put it in right here, but like there's literally a line that I just uh, heard today where
3: she's like, "You dreamt you were in bed with someone? Not exactly. I was in bed. But there wasn't another person in my dream. It was more like a presence. You said you felt a touch. A pair of hands. They were moving across my skin. Like a caress? Yes. And there was a voice, a man. He whispered my name. It was as if I knew him. Or more like he knew me. He knew exactly how I liked to be touched. It was the most physical dream I've ever had. The sensations were very real. Extremely arousing. Frankly, I'm envious. I did fall asleep reading a particularly erotic chapter in my grandmother's journal. She wrote very detailed descriptions of her experiences with Ronan. Well, that's bound to cause a dream or two.
0: No, that's your grandmother's journal.
3: Don't read the erotic parts.
2: What are wow, you doing? Yeah. I didn't know that sci-fi would explore that. Oh, well, that's that's the origin
1: story of Blazin.
0: Bev crusher (laughs) but Uh,
2: so i'm watching this
0: one episode and i have already broken it up into like 10 minute segments because i can't handle it it's (laughs) like this one episode is so bad but it's also in the last season so i'm again like you a completionist so i'm gonna get through it i'm gonna watch her like get seduced by the horny ghost and whatever and we'll get through it somehow
2: well, um, that that all sounds like a bunch of hot garbage. Just it's you, not good. Just
1: remember that you are you're going to get to move on to DS nine soon, and that's the best of the Star Trek series. So,
0: I mean, I I disagree, but it's also been a few years, so I I am open to the possibility that that Quark will sweep me away.
1: Quark, first of all, is a fantastic character, and um, I think that. The Ferengi on the surface are—they seem kind of like a uh, a farcical um, characterization of of like a capitalist, but they actually get to dig into some of those characters and uh, in the course of DS Nine, right? And I think that it helps counterbalance a lot of the otherwise generally very like socialist um, tendencies of the show, which you know just in the interest of like yeah, discourse no, and exploring ideas which is the whole point of science fiction but also um also one of my favorite villains is Golducott. yeah you
0: you we all know
1: you're horny for Golducott. he's great so for um, listeners um is um he uh, is a He's the overlord of a planet that's being dominated. So his species is dominating the planet of another species. The Cardassians are dominating the Bajorans. And Goldicott is basically in charge of like a uh, detention camp for Bajorans. And he, in that role, helps reduce significantly the amount of torture and oppression that the bajorans have to go through he he takes a bajoran wife and 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 fathers a daughter he cares deeply for the bajorans uh and when he has to torture one for information it is not for pleasure it's simply to protect
2: them anyway this is all satirical (laughs) right yeah, so, I am so regretful that I got you guys started on t- Star Trek. Right. All. So, uh,
0: Andy, uh, because we don't... The nice thing is we can talk about whatever we want now because there are no listeners who are still <laughs> listening to this episode. They've all switched to the next one or the last one or whatever. But, you know, like, the the main thing that I want to talk about with, with Star Trek um, is that there are all these interesting things that are discussed, and some of them are episode to episode, And anytime you have, like, a monster of the week, or in this case, a morality puzzle of the week, some of them are going to be okay, and some of them are going to be hot garbage. But they're also bigger features. So one thing we were talking about earlier was Star Trek as a whole explores the idea of a lack of scarcity in human society and just, like, the societies that are part of the Federation in general. So... If you want a thing, you have a replicator, and it can make you that thing. So if you want like a particular type of sweatshirt, or
2: well, and the funny the funny thing is that we would assume that that would end all conflict, right? Like you wouldn't have anything to do anymore. That that there wouldn't be anything interesting that happens after that. And Star Trek shines the light onto that. That's that's not the case. That that there's still stuff to explore. There's still stuff to learn. There's still right. conflict. Um, I'm not sure why there's conflict, but there is. The thing is, once everything is covered for you, once
0: there's no scarcity, you can have whatever you want, what is it that you want to do with your life? Do you want to be an artist? Do you want to go out in space? Because the cool thing about Star Trek is there's a ton of people, way more people than are on this tiny spaceship, that are living their lives on Earth or any number of other planets who are farmers or artists or whatever because that's what they want to do not because they have to and that's really interesting me i'd love to hear andrew yang talk about it one of the things that and and they do
1: kind of explore this in a number of different ways but um you know it's not fully post-scarcity right it's humanity earth is post-scarcity
0: with the replicators um, but but presumably anybody who joins the Federation, like the Klingons, are post scarcity. The Vulcans are right, post scarcity. Right. But the thing is that who,
1: they still they still encounter constantly lots of pre warp so, uh, societies who are struggling and and going and you know through war and conflict and things, and they right. don't <laughs> share
0: and those with on those, those rare people. right on those rare occasions. <laughs> Where they decide to follow the prime directive, they let those civilizations die or get on with their life or continue suffering or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's always, you know, that's one of the moral puzzles that they revisit in a a bunch of different ways and contexts. And, you know, I think it's it's interesting, though, that they, specifically, the post-scarcity society is itself
2: a scarce resource. Mm Mm-hmm. So I would like to turn you guys to another thing that sci-fi can do. Yeah. Another thing that sci-fi can do is show you an awful future. <laughs> Arguably, <laughs>
0: way more o- Like way more often. Like one of the reasons I wanted to talk about Trek earlier was I can't really think of a lot of other options where there isn't a dystopian future or a future that looks bright but has the seamy underbelly um most most fiction deals with the terrible outcomes because generally that's more fun to watch.
2: I think so, or so, read about or whatever so either corporations have taken the role of government and they're sending off uh blue collar space crews to go get eaten by aliens so they can bring them back <laughs> as weapons of war mm-hmm. or We've discovered all of the secrets to the human genome, so now you can have a custom-crafted baby that um, nobody who isn't, like, this designer-engineered baby is allowed a place in the upper echelons of society. Or, um, in one of my favorites, uh, John Carpenter's 1982 The Thing. Mm. Are you guys hip to this one? Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
1: Russell Crowe. (laughs) And um, oh, and Wilfred Brimley. Good morning. I'm Wilfred Brimley, and I'd like to
5: talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes.
2: Yeah, <laughs> um, a, a unknowable horror descends on an Antarctic base, and uh, it's really an exploration of nihilism and paranoia. Um, just like, uh, what do you do when the the monster is a perfect imitation of everybody else like who do you trust it's one of the most claustrophobic and terrifying movies that i've ever seen we're gonna draw a little bit of everybody's blood
5: we're gonna find out who's the thing watching norris in there gave me the idea that maybe every part of him was a whole Every little piece is an individual animal with a built-in desire to protect its own life. You see, when a man bleeds, it's just tissue. The blood from one of you things won't obey
2: when it's attacked. It'll try and survive. I'm a big fan of horror. I don't know if you guys are way into horror, but...
1: Eh. Um, but that movie in particular, um, when I was a kid, uh, my, my mom, like, showed me the movie, like, I was maybe at, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, something like that. Uh, oh, um, wow. And so, That's you know. That's pretty young. I, not that young, but definitely, like, young to see that movie, because it's really intense. But, you know, but, yeah. but not outrageously. Maybe I was 15. I don't know. But I was a kid. Um, anyway, um, her, and it's her... Kurt Russell. Oh, what did I say? I think you said Russell
2: Brand. No.
1: <laughs> well, anyway, um, <clears throat> you said, you said Russell Crowe. Oh, oh, Russell Crowe. Okay. Um. Yeah, Kurt Russell. Thank you. Uh. So anyway, so so my mother introduces like her her like preface to this movie to me is to say like so they swear in this movie, but. <laughs> it's so appropriate that I just don't feel like it's a big deal. And so, <laughs> she was right. It was, it was very appropriate.
0: Couple, a couple of things that I feel like I have to mention about the thing. It also has Keith David in it, who has one of the best voices in the world. I don't know what I'm going to have a clip in right here of him saying, but he has a fantastic voice.
3: There are several sacred things in this world that you don't ever mess with. One of them happens to be another man's fries
0: um, and he's a pretty good actor. but also the thing as
2: good of a voice as Gilbert Gottfried but uh, uh, yes. in the opposite direction yes yeah
0: <laughs> go fuck yourself But the other thing about the, th- the, the, the thing about the thing the things thing mm. is that you don't really see the thing. Like, it's all suspense. This movie was made for $14 million, which is actually like a million... Like, it had a budget of $15 million and they're like, no, we don't need it. It's fine. <laughs> like, you you just go ahead and keep that extra million. Um, and so much of that movie is built on suspense because you don't see the thing mm-hmm. until, I think, the very end, right? Well, you never really do because it's microscopic. Like, you see...
1: You see cr- creatures that it has inhabited,
2: right? Yeah, you see creature effects like um, it's a shapeshifter, so it'll take the form of a dog. But you'll see like it in the intermediary stages of transforming from the dog into a tentacly mass of <laughs> just like body parts and weird organic yeah. growths. Um, yeah, and and the uh, special effects were all done. Practically. Yeah, practically. Uh, uh, practical special effects. And it is absolutely brilliant. Um, so big mm. kudos to yeah. the makers of that movie just for um, having done everything with puppets and strings. and I, Another yeah,
1: phenomenal dystopian one that I'm a big fan of is The Watchmen.
5: Hey, Rorschach. Hey, you're pretty famous, right? <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm pretty famous, too.
4: Ain't that right? That's right.
5: You know, maybe I can give you an autograph, huh? What you say, big boy? You seem to understand.
1: I'm not locked in here with you.
4: You're
1: locked in here with me. Which was a sure. graphic novel first. Yeah. And they made it into a movie which was a good movie, but definitely goes in a, a less dystopian direction it at is, the end.
0: Uh, that, so I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was entertaining. And in terms of the message or how it's performed, like the thing about The Watchmen is it's, it's the Citizen Kane of comic books. If like – if I were mm-hmm. to tell somebody you need to read one comic, that's it. It is yeah. it's arguably the best comic ever written with the bonkersest ending of any comic book ever <laughs> written, but it is amazing. It is phenomenal. And the I'm not putting the movie down. I think it's uh as good or better than a lot of movies that try and emulate a book or a comic book or whatever, but it's it's a pale comparison to the original, mm-hmm.
1: yeah it, yeah. If the if if the like if the if the original graphic novel hadn't been so quintessential, then it would just it would be a great movie with a different ending. But it, it
0: just anyway, so right. But and it does the movie does have a different ending. The movie is like, wait, do you want to put bring in a giant squid octopus to destroy New York? no we're not doing no that's not gonna happen <laughs> well we'll show the naked blue guy and the the weird rorschach dude but that is it
2: it's right. so dark it and really is. i i'm i'm really a fan of just like um just like desolate dark um negative feeling sci-fi i don't know why Ooh. <laughs> well yeah and so all right if
0: if we can go
2: big picture
0: for a minute because we uh-huh. keep on talking about specific properties, and I'm I'm fine with that, but I want to do it in the context of a larger conversation if we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was growing up, so in mostly in the '80s, certainly in the '90s as well, uh, being into sci-fi was like you had your friends, and like that was totally fine and everything like that, but. It was not the, the, like, you couldn't be popular and be into sci-fi. You couldn't be popular and be into d d You couldn't be popular and be into comic books even, really. And what I like to talk about is today is the exact opposite. I mean, the biggest blockbusters in the world are within the, the sci-fi fantasy genre. Everybody knows about them. Um, I mean, let, mm-hmm. can we talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe for a second? Yeah, like, I mean, that sure. has really
1: changed the game on the popularity of of science fiction as a genre. But I think in a way that like people don't even really realize it's and partial yeah. part of this is because it's so steeped in present, right? A lot of science fiction is oh, 600 years in the future, 3000 years in the future, 50,000 but or, or in a parallel universe or something like that. Right. Whereas the Marvel, the MCU exists right here and now. But not because
2: it's fiction. Right, like, but, you know. that,
0: definitely not, but also, yes. <laughs> no, but I see, well, I see what you're saying.
2: A big turning point for that was uh, Star Wars in 1977. And another big turning point for that was the kids who were growing up with comic books and they were just kind of like this pulp trash format like i i don't mean to offend any comic book fans that are out there but How i mean dare they you. were they were serials <laughs> and um you know like nobody had any respect for comics as like a serious expressive art form you would go to like novels or yeah. uh you know c- mm-hmm. cinema for that that um that it was basically like a soap opera yeah um
0: yeah on exactly. on the comic
2: book page, and it was a very short format too like you could only tell really short like self contained stories at a time, like you could have an overarching story, but you only had like maybe like fifteen pages to flesh out like this week's vignette
0: well, and I know I've talked talked about my friend Ben before, but this phenomenal phenomenal like world class artist that decided to go into comic books and part of the reason why that was is you can only draw so fast. So Mm -hmm. I think now you're looking at a comic books that are more like 20, maybe 24 pages a month, but like putting out that much art for presumably a single artist, at least now you have like somebody's doing the pencils and somebody's doing the inks and somebody's doing the colors and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. sometimes somebody will double up. Um, I mean, Ben can do everything, but Also, he can't do everything in the time limit that's allowed, so as much as he wants, he has to lean on other people, and more to the point, the companies that he works with sort of force him to
2: work with other people to get stuff out on a deadline. But now the kids that grew up on that stuff, like the comic book kids, are all like middle
0: age. Right. Yeah. And so they're the ones buying their kids like Superman bedsheets, and like the, like and these these super nerds are sort of introducing it to their kids and their kids are eating it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think that is also like e- oh, of course. everybody everybody watches these Marvel movies and like some people like to sort of like oh they're all the same which I don't understand. It's it's crappy like yes somebody punches somebody and everyone like get over it. <laughs> um but they're like so, they're they're really good. They're like phenomenally good. Mm-hmm. Um and if they're not your cup of tea that's fine but the thing is it would be you'd be hard pressed to say that you wouldn't be accepted uh being a sci-fi nerd or a comic book nerd or whatever like whatever your flavor of nerd is especially now that the internet is a thing it's so easy to find other people who are also into your thing
2: well and they're ca- they're kind of the shared mythology of our time I know yeah. you Nathan have talked about going to movies not because you wanted to see the movie but because you wanted to be part of the thing happening yeah or absolutely. following a TV show that you have something to talk about at the water cooler like <laughs> if you uh, take... drop Nathan drop a
0: Tiger King uh soundbite right here <laughs> Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen I'm Joe Exotic Danny don't tell me you never stuck a penis in a vacuum
3: cleaner uh I I like...
2: oh, gross if you take uh, the the Marvel movies as like the the mythology. It's kind of our today's like Hansel and Gretel. It's it's yeah. our Grimm's fairy tales. It's like a shared cultural experience with moral lessons baked into it.
0: One the wild thing is when they were when they were getting started. And I don't want this whole episode to be about Marvel, obviously, but sure. they they had to take a big swing for the fences uh, when they started because. They picked Robert Downey Jr., who had recently been in prison, who had had so many problems with drugs, and said, you're our guy. And Iron Man is the first of these movies and doesn't hint until the very end of even, like, anything else. They they did well, such a slow burn on these movies. Didn't the Edward Norton Hulk
1: come out before that? That's not, yeah, but, I mean, that's, that's not a thing. Yeah, but I mean, that's...
2: I that that was that was not the birth of the MCU. <laughs> that was just included. Yeah, in I, I don't know what you're talking about.
1: It is technically a part of it, but it's not like <laughs> but, ever. But the other thing with is, them.
0: Marvel Comics was going to close in the 80s or 70s, I believe, and they had to sell off a bunch of their properties. So the the movies that they wanted to make, the Spider Mans and the Fantastic Fours and like uh, the X Men, even they couldn't make them. Because they'd sold the rights to all of those, so they'd keep the doors open. And so, mm-hmm. The Avengers was not the most popular comic book, by a long shot.
2: It, was, it wasn't It was my favorite. No. no. The
1: X-Men was mine.
0: Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. The, whatever your answer is going to but be, But the X-Men generally, movies you, were rough. Yeah, if you grew up during that time, whatever your answer is, your answer is going to be not, not The Avengers. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that there was anything right. wrong with them. I I loved a bunch of the Avengers individually, but they all had their own individual comics too, and so they they were fine. But they used them because that's what they had the rights to, and but they did a slow burn because like they didn't even like reference that they were going to like combine all these different movies that they were making until well after like years into the process.
1: Oh yeah. Well, and and to find out, you know. As they're coming as once they come out with uh, the the Infinity War and Endgame, just how much in advance they had it all plotted out. It yeah. seems like <laughs> wow, really, really impressive.
0: But the the main point is, it's cool to be a nerd now in a way that was incomprehensible when I was a kid. It mm-hmm. could sure. could not happen, and now. The the
2: nerd can be like as popular as anybody else. Um, I mean, we had that a little bit when I was when I was coming up, but like not nearly to the extent that it had been before. Like right. things were already starting to warm up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Nerd culture is pop culture now.
1: Mm-hmm. And and I think you know I think it mostly all started with Wesley Crusher. <laughs> really? No. The boy.
2: No. Shut up, Wesley. Well, I know you wanted to move off of Marvel, but I'm going to stick on it for just a second. Absolutely. Our next, our next big topic we wanted to talk about is sci-fi as a way of highlighting current social issues. And the best one that I can think of is the writing of X-Men from start to finish mm-hmm. was always about the civil rights movement. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think that that's such a brilliant way of just like taking a medium like sci-fi and showing you holding the mirror up to society itself like here you see this this is actually what you're doing right now yeah you know absolutely um, maybe not actually chasing mutants with sentinels (laughs) well but yeah
0: but also the sentinels are cops sure what
1: I think in in this context I think what science fiction does is it's you and this is such a key to everything about science fiction but it's because everything whenever you're starting with a science fiction story it all essentially kicks off with one little question which is what if and mm-hmm. when you ask that question you just you and the audience and everyone step out of reality and into this parallel reality and everyone can be more like you're looking at new things you you're in a different place you're not for some reason um, like psychologically when we when we do that what if shift um and we don't feel like we're analyzing ourselves and 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 thereby causing ourselves to get defensive we're able to open up and and look at things a little bit more clearly and honestly and and understand social dynamics a little more um just like uh dissociatively uh I, i don't know if that's the right word
0: but does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely and this i mean i think that's true of just fiction in general. You right, know? I mean right. you can try and get people to empathize with an avatar of the thing you're actually trying to get them to empathize with to make them think. Mm-hmm. And it's easy it's it's just easier to do that uh, in sci fi I think.
2: Yeah. I can't think of a whole lot more examples of highlighting current social issues. Do you have anything on on the ready on that? I mean I think so if we're we're still in the
0: Marvel Universe, I thought one thing that was really interesting. So WandaVision was, uh, like, amazing. It was great. Yeah, really cool show. But, but the thing that followed it up was uh, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier.
1: Yeah.
0: And the cool thing about Falcon and the Winter Soldier is if you had to pick, it's only a, a six-episode arc for this season. I don't know if they're going to revisit it or not. I'm sure they'll revisit the characters in the movies if nothing else. Mm -hmm. But the thing about this, it did feel like it was kind of a open and shut. Right. But the thing about this season that they dealt with that I haven't really seen in a lot of other, other Marvel properties were, uh, issues of, uh, immigrants. Uh, Mm -hmm. and they dealt with that in a pretty, uh, direct way. And how, uh, immigration problems and problems of scarcity can lead to terrorism and how uh when you call something terrorism it doesn't automatically make it terrorism how that can be messy and the other thing it dealt with was uh, america and racism Mm um which like is really good because the falcon has to deal with what does it mean for me to put on this shield for me to, like, call myself Captain America because, traditionally, America has not been great to my people. The legacy of that shield is... complicated,
5: to say the least. When Steve told me what he was planning, I don't think either of us really understood what it felt like for a black man to be handed the shield.
0: How could we? And... I, and they they deal with that a little bit. Um, they don't delve into it as much as I would have liked. But the fact yeah. that they the fact that they deal with it at all was pretty phenomenal. And I'd say the the other thing they deal with is poverty, which you've never seen. You've mm. never seen that in the Marvel movies before. Um, because like <laughs> anybody, tell me how the Avengers make their money, like other than Tony Stark. <laughs> Like, you, it's never dealt with at all, because you don't have to, because you don't want to. But in in uh, this, you have Falcon having to deal with his family business falling apart, and them going to the bank and saying, like, hey, we need a loan. And the bank officer saying, well, you don't have any, like, employment history for the last five years. And his sister having to say, because I was Ash. <laughs> like, yeah. I wasn't here for the last five years. I got snapped. What are you talking about? Right. And how that, like, that's not taken into consideration, especially in communities of color. So it's it's really good. So I'm just saying, like, these stories can hold up a magnifying glass to literally anything. And people will accept it in a different way than they would normally. I am desperately looking forward to uh, different storylines about, like, vaccines and pandemics and stuff. <laughs>
2: Have you guys heard the theory that um, Christopher Nolan's uh, Dark Knight was all about uh, post 9 11 surveillance in the U.S. and oh, that's George? Interesting. It's an allegory for George Bush's war on terror. Um, that so makes the sense. the yeah the the reason that this parallel gets drawn is because at the end. Um, they have the power of monitoring everybody's cell phones in the entire city and they use it to map out where the joker is but then they say like well this power is uh too much for for us to not abuse so they blow it up blow it up and, exactly and and then the whole thing is about a having a dark knight um someone who you beat up in the press and has this terrible reputation, but he's the person that you need. And um, in a kind of ham-handed way, like, I love this movie. I don't love George W. Bush. <laughs> but I feel like that they're trying to make the case for George W. Bush um, <laughs> in in the most awkward way possible. <laughs> hey, the world needs war criminals, all right? Right, Right. Uh, and I think they deal with uh, they deal with terrorism too I mean the the methods of the Joker is similar to terrorism they deal with torture so I mean it was very present from the time that it was made Hmm. although it's kind of a stretch to call Batman I guess Batman is sci-fi sure he definitely
0: definitely deals like if you think about that shark repellent he uses in the 1960s movie Mm -hmm. we still don't have that technology it's amazing
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, No, I mean Batman is absolutely sci-fi. He is
0: not futuristic. Well, yeah, but but you just you just talked about like so it's adjacent to the technology we have now. But talking about the that surveillance project Mm -hmm. uh, with them being able to track all the cell phones, that's not something we can do. But like privately surveilling U.S. citizens legally with warrantless wiretaps. That seems probable, likely, and uh, definitely did and is happening. Yeah, I was
2: going to say probable. <laughs> yeah. a, well, hi, a... hi to my personal NSA agent. Right. How you doing? Yeah. How you doing, bud?
0: There's a great episode where uh, John Oliver and his staff were trying to come up with— they were going to talk to Edward Snowden, and they're trying to come up with an analogy that will actually get people to pay attention to, like, the the spying that is happening on them all the time. And basically what they came up with was uh, if you have ever sent out a dick pic to anyone, uh, somebody in the NSA has definitely seen your dick. I mean, they see them all the time. So if you want people to see <laughs> all of your sexts, then, like, go ahead and, like, keep on doing what we're doing. But definitely people uh, in... Uh, surveillance are looking at your junk just all the time it's probably a terrible job well so
1: (laughs) i um i love all of this the high-minded idealism and dystopian cautionism and and whatnot of science fiction but there's there's another function that it (laughs) serves that i think is i think under played it it gets devalued and that's the like the coolness the special effects and the you know the iron man suits and the spaceships and the um lightsabers like that shit is just freaking cool and going and watching those movies on the big screen is a blast and the entertainment value i think is is
2: very important as well you don't have to sell me on that at all but i i don't know that that's a very deep well of stuff to talk about <laughs> i mean i love the sound of a lightsaber like that makes the movie for me yeah you could just sell me the price of a ticket and then just have that lightsaber sound effect come on and i would be like pretty well worth the, the price of the ticket that i paid
4: your swords
5: please we don't want to make a mess of things. You won't get
4: away this time,
1: Dooku. I'm telling you, man, like, people hate on on Phantom Menace. I freaking love that movie, if, if only for, like, the two lightsaber fights with Darth Maul. Sure. I, they're so yeah. much fun. They're so good. And choreography was brilliant. Oh, man, and the music was perfect. Uh the the um shit now I can't think of it. Yeah.
2: Uh Duel of the Fates. Thank you. Yes, Duel of the Fates. Uh, bu- 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 oh man.
0: So, uh Andy, I have actually posted about this on your Facebook page before cuz you're talking about like what's the greatest like music video of all time? Mm. Or the one that like like stuck with you the most? and Duel of the Fates is the only uh, classical style uh, music video that was ever uh, pushed on uh, Total Request Live the TRL um, yeah. <laughs> back in the day no way people would, t- I don't remember
2: this happening live.
0: people would call in over and over and over again so they could see this video cause they knew like, if, if you called in and you like you had a vote on TRL. Yeah, with, with Carson Daly. With like, Carson I, Daly. I used to
2: watch that show, but and I, I don't remember Duel of the Fates being on it. When that's
0: this came wild. out, that's exactly what people did. They would call in day after day after day, and Duel of the Fates was one of the longest running videos that they had over and over and over again every day because people wanted to see the clips from the new movie, <laughs> and they knew they could like tune in at this specific time and see it.
1: That's awesome. And, you know, um, just to kind of pivot from that example of of the Phantom Menace, people give a lot of sci-fi a hard time for stuff like melodramatic acting and, like, bad writing. And I was was ragging on Enterprise earlier. And, um, you know, I think that that is part of it. The campiness of science fiction and the the sort of the badness of it is part of what makes it good.
3: I have a bad feeling about this.
2: I've got a bad feeling about this. Oh, I have a bad feeling about this.
3: I've got a bad feeling about.
2: Hey, okay. quiet. What? Very bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this.
3: I
4: have
2: a bad feeling about this. I have a
1: bad feeling about this. I have a really bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this. When you have too pristine of a science fiction movie, like a Marvel movie, where there's no... Like, those are great movies with excellent actors and Mm -hmm. phenomenal writing and directing and top-tier everything. And they don't feel like science fiction. And I think this is another big reason why. They, I think that they, they don't really do the camp, um, whereas you know, in Star Wars you have the uh, oh I've got a bad feeling
2: about this, right? I mean, just that sort. You of... You need people in rubber costumes. Oh man, you need people talking in different languages right. that you don't need exist. Aliens well, that are definitely sock puppets. So,
0: but can we can we address the <laughs> <laughs> can we address the the functional beneficial part of this stuff? So. Uh, The tricorder on the original series uh, ultimately becomes the cell phone. Uh, The universal translator has been like, I can pull up Google Translate on my phone right now and have a conversation with somebody who does not speak my language.
5: The Babelfish is small, yellow, leech-like, and probably the oddest thing in the universe. It feeds on brainwave energy, absorbing unconscious frequencies and excreting a matrix of conscious frequencies to the speech centers of the brain, the practical upshot of which is that if you stick one in your ear, you instantly understand anything said to you in
4: any language.
0: Um, Let's talk about uh, prosthetic limbs, like mm-hmm. Luke gets his hand cut off but is able to get it replaced and I'll tell you what, go on YouTube and start looking up videos of people who have lost a limb who can now operate, like, not not to the level that Luke was able to get to, but, like, can operate and pick things up with their arm that they thought would never be fully functional again. Um, Artificial intelligence. Uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey, 1968, Mm. predicts space stations— uh, it also predicted the tablet um, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah driverless cars you saw it in uh, 1990 I think it was uh, total recall has the weird uh, they actually had a weird like robotic cab driver in their Mars car <sighs>
2: Where am I? You're in a Johnny Cat. I mean, what am I doing uh-huh. here? I'm sorry. Would you please rephrase the question? Huh? How did I get in this taxi? The door opened. You got in.
5: <laughs> Hell of a day, isn't it?
0: So, I mean, I'm, that's probably where Elon got the idea.
2: It's almost um, a self-driving car. People yeah, are They've still, been doing that for a long time.
0: Right. People are still trying to make hoverboards. But the, the whole point is, like, these things that people have just invented out of nowhere because they th- seem like cool sci-fi stuff, many of them have been turned into actual products. And I'm sure the the seed of those ideas came from these stories.
2: Mm-hmm. I incredible. want um George Jetson's foldable briefcase car that <laughs> oh, flies. I, w- I
1: want the tubes, the transport tubes, or or teleportation nah. of some kind, like mm. uh, the Futurama Beat tubes are
2: um like pretty hellish. <laughs>
0: well the Futurama um, everything <laughs> I'm gonna say I can go without the suicide booths for now. Right. For now. You say that now, yeah. Um
2: Right on cloning is very real um we it's been ethically can't really explore it very much but it's real I mean they cloned a sheep in the 90s yeah yeah they didn't... You remember dolly wanted to dolly 90 crew.
0: 96 it was July yeah. of 96 that dolly was first made like it's crazy crazy
2: mm-hmm uh, I mean we're living in interesting times, that's for sure. So
0: I'm, I'm fine not having cloned humans.
1: There's like kind of a whole subgenre of science fiction that we haven't really touched on, which is time travel.
0: Erotic. Oh wait. Erotic time, tra- time tra- yes. travel. <laughs> Erotic time travel. So anyway, uh I'm gonna go back to the fifties and bone my mom. Oh and then man. head on back to wait, when when did they go back to in uh Back to the Future is 56, maybe. I'm going to have to look this up. I'm not the
1: one Um, to ask. It's
2: it's a fun transition to our next topic, too, because in time travel, one of the things that you can elicit is very particular feelings. Seeing your your mother as a young girl, um, you know, potentially fading out of existence because you've changed the past too much. Um, sci-fi can be a vessel of some very particular feelings that you can't really explore in just like a western right. or in a uh, you know in a samurai movie. Like sci-fi lets you explore some really weird territory, and one of my favorite things that it does is it explores the question of what is humanity like. What are we? Um, we mentioned in passing blade runner yeah blade runner is one of my favorites of all time and the reason is not about just like you know the special effects i mean of course it's like a visual feast right That it's just like a masterpiece visually um but besides that it's it's about the question of like if we were good enough at making artificial humans would you really know if you were one and how do we then start to treat those artificial humans that start showing more humanity than the real natural-born ones? Right, you know? and
0: even the name of the novel, like, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Is this, right. like, you could never name your movie that because no one would ever go. Um, but, like, that concept of, like, well... Do do robots dream and if they dream, like do they dream about the same stuff that we do? And is it like a little bit off and like just like really interesting stuff to think about. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe.
5: Hmm. Attack ships on fire off
4: the shoulder of
5: Orion. I watched sea beams. Glitter in the dark near the ten house gate.
4: All those moments will be lost in time, like <clears throat> tears in.
2: What's the value of a of a life that is artificially made? And like, are we going to be willing to treat it like garbage? Um, <laughs> I it, think it's... the
0: answer to that is definitely yes. Like, definitely yes. For sure, yes. We're we're going to figure out a way to make these things and then immediately enslave them, and come up with some sort of justification why it's not slavery. I'm pretty proud of this bad boy. Check it out. I put a spatially tessellated void inside a modified temporal field until a planet developed intelligent life. I then introduced that life to the wonders of electricity, which they now generate on a global scale. And, you know, some of it goes to power my engine and charge my phone and stuff. You have a whole planet sitting around making your power for you? That's slavery! It's society. They work for each other, Morty. They pay each other. They buy houses. They get married and make children that replace them when they get too old to make power.
2: That just sounds like slavery with extra steps. Ooh la la. Someone's gonna get laid in college i mean that does seem to be the accepted canon from a whole bunch of different works uh, and that...
1: also history
2: sure yeah because
0: we do that with you know people
2: <laughs> right true
0: true that um so there's
1: a uh a sci-fi show that i'm a big big fan of it's a Comedy show. It's not a serious sci-fi. Are you? Is
0: it? Is it current? Well, current-ish. No. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're talking about Red Dwarf. I am talking about Red Dwarf. Um,
1: Red Dwarf. It's this British sci-fi show, and everyone should watch it because it's one of the funniest shows ever made. But um, there's an android character in the show, and they they have a whole episode about um, him, sort of. Coming to learn that there is no what he called silicon heaven, where, where like electronics go, or there where the souls of electronics go when they die, and and <laughs> he's Mom, like, and they I mean, tell I'm, him this, and he looks at them and he goes, but then, where do all the calculators go? <laughs> <laughs> oh no.
5: I just lie back and accept it. Oh, it's not the end for me, sir. It's just the beginning. I have served my human masters, and now I can look forward to my reward in Silicon Heaven. <laughs> silicon what? Surely you've heard of Silicon Heaven? Has it got anything to do with being stuck opposite Bridget Nielsen in a packed lift?
4: <laughs> it's the
5: electronic afterlife. It's the gathering place for the souls of all electrical equipment. Robots, calculators, toasters, hair dryers. It's our final resting place. I don't mean to say anything out of place here, Crichton, but that is completely wacko, Jacko. There is no such thing as Silicon Heaven. Then where do all the calculators go? They don't go anywhere. They just die. But surely you believe that God is in all things. Aren't you a pantheist? Yeah, but I just don't think it applies to kitchen utensils. I'm not a frying pantheist. (laughs) Machines do not have souls. Computers and calculators don't have an afterlife. You don't get hair drives with tiny little wings sitting on clouds playing harps. <laughs> but of course you do. For is it not written in the electronic Bible, the iron shall lie down with the lamp.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's common
5: sense, sir. Uh, if there weren't a better life to look forward to, why on earth would machines spend the whole of their lives servicing humankind? Now that would be really dumb. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Silicon heaven. Don't be sad, Mr. David, sir. I am going to a far, far better place. Just out of interest. Is Silicon Heaven the same place as human heaven? Human heaven? Goodness me. <laughs> Humans don't go to heaven. No no. Someone someone just made that up to prevent you from all going nuts.
1: <laughs> it's a way of they're laughing about it, but then also when you're done laughing, you think about, well, you know, at what point does this artificial intelligence become intelligence and and are they a life form in in a way and we talked a lot about this on the like the on on previous episodes as well with the consciousness but Mm -hmm. um you know and on a like the more serious version of that is in to go back to star trek data his search to or quest really to be more human um Mm -hmm. which is a a storyline that the the show picard kind of picks up from um, and explores a little bit more in, in some interesting ways. I, I liked that, um, but it's it's you know at what point do, it, it, does it stop being a tool to make our lives easier and start becoming a life form of its own?
2: Another particular feeling is the 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 emptiness of space, just like the loneliness of going up in a tube a claustrophobic tube, and being thousands or millions of miles away from the next closest human being.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: Um, Which is a a very unique feeling because, I mean, no matter where you are, are on Earth, you're not more than, you know, several hundred miles away from somebody else.
0: I, I don't want to be difficult here, but uh, it's just a unique feeling. It's a, uh, it's not a very unique feeling. It's just Okay. It's just binary. I mean I I I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I hadn't mentioned that, but go on.
2: Fair enough. Should we uh, a... no, that that's it.
0: <laughs> okay. Anyway, no, no, I no, think Yeah. Think... Well and this is why the the idea of the warp travel or, like, faster-than-light travel is so important because it's... When when we think of, like, Star Trek, for example, or even Star Wars, or the idea of, like, these these long uh, space voyages, it's replacing these books that we used to have where we used to think about uh, long sailing voyages on the ocean. Where right. the idea of being able to get from continent to continent in a few hours was as supernatural and scientific fiction as the idea of us traveling in space now in like, moving from solar system to solar system quickly.
2: Right. This might be a little bit off-base because it's not exactly sci-fi related, but um, whenever I'm learning about, like, uh, the expanding universe or, like, uh, the light that we see from stars might be already dead those those stars have already exploded and we're just seeing the light that's left over and tens of thousands of years ago is when it might have happened like not not just a little bit of time but
0: like forever
2: ago and there are places that we can see that we'll never hope to go yeah um that that the universe is just way too expansive That um, we basically live in a finite bubble, and that bubble is shrinking for every year that we're not spending traveling at the speed of light towards it, towards the edge, you know? Um, And I don't know why, but that just, it makes me feel sad. Like, there's a very particular feeling that I get from the finite uh, existence and and that's completely irrational because the sun will blow up, way before any of that happens. Right. And also, I will die, wait <laughs> like a long long time before that happens. We were playing "Would
0: You Rather" at dinner last night, and one of the questions is like, "Would you rather be the richest man on the planet, which you know, no, uh, for Nathan specifically, or be immortal?" And like my thing about like immortality is like. Ooh boy, that sounds good. Uh, as long as I have the caveat of being able to like kill myself, uh, because like there's going to be a heat death of the universe, and if I'm still around after that, that's, that's going to suck. <laughs> uh, what does my life look like after our sun has gone supernova?
2: Um, probably pretty boring.
0: Right, like probably ouchy. Yeah,
2: um, not a lot of people and then talk very, to. Very
0: very cold. Um. So yeah, as long as I can like kill myself after a certain amount of time immortality sounds great um but I mean I don't want to be Jeff Bezos so what do we do
2: I mean they both sound pretty sweet to me but um like immortality as a curse is a pretty interesting concept that's been yeah explored in a few sci-fi Dorian Gray
1: yeah um yeah no I 100% would, would take the money in
0: that case. But uh, anyway. No, I, I think I, I, <laughs> I definitely went with uh, Immortality again as long as I get that that suicide kicker.
1: So if you don't get that suicide kicker, would you take the
0: money? Sure. But it would be a fun, <laughs> fun time. So uh, have you guys heard of the movie uh, Brewster's Millions before? No. Yeah. So it's... <laughs> It's this movie where uh, Richard Pryor inherits, uh, I believe, yeah, he inherits like $300 million. But uh, to be able to get that $300 million, he's given $30 million that he has to spend in 30 days.
2: Well, and it's 1980s dollars. Yes. So it's 1985.
0: So he's going around buying like uh, stamps with upside down planes on them and just (laughs) having a good time. I think that would just be my life all the time, always. Like, just going into, like, small businesses or, like, black-owned businesses or, like, trying to uh, do different types of philanthropy as fast as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I did take that money, I hopefully would not have the vast majority of it for very long.
2: Oh, you're way way too altruistic for
0: that kind of money. Yeah, no, it would not
2: work. (laughs) We've
1: talked a lot about, like science fiction on the screen we haven't talked a lot about the science fiction books. on the page yeah the book side of it yeah so science fiction is as a, as a <laughs> genre started out written and it's been around for a very very long time ultimately although a lot of things that um were written a long time ago and we don't really think about as science fiction now because their science fiction is outdated for us now but but um you know humanity it's always been a mechanism for humanity to think about how it wants to proceed into the future i could dig that also fun books to read so
0: (laughs) so i mean i mean do you want to like we can start
1: listing some things that we like or we can get back to like I don't know. I feel like we've talked well, a lot
2: about the the high minded idealisms. And what are stuff. what are the themes? What are the themes from some of your your favorite works that that you feel like make that genre for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, I I don't know that I could really narrow it. Like, part of me is I just like sci fi as a genre. I like good sci fi. I like bad sci fi. I just like thinking about aliens and getting out there and like what we might become uh that that idea of like where we might go um i think one of my favorite books is probably heinlein's stranger in a strange land um love it yeah and it's it's fantastic it's all about like what do you do if (laughs) and, and i'm definitely not going to give it away but the idea of an outsider coming in with a different skill set than the rest of us do, have and how he is manipulated and how he chooses to use that and how it affects the rest of us. Mm. Um, it's super interesting, but, like, I mean, War of the Worlds is great. And mm, yeah. uh, the Time Machine, Fahrenheit 451. Ooh, I mean, yeah.
2: 1984. Fahrenheit
0: 451 f- me up. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's, man. That's a really messed up book when the tripods came
0: (laughs) there's a rumor (laughs) there's a rumor that uh bradbury called up a he was trying to figure out the title of the book and i have no idea if this is true or not but i love it he called up his local local firehouse and is like uh do you guys know the temperature the books burn at and uh he said he was ray bradbury so of course the first thing that they did was went and grabbed a book off their bookshelf and Uh burned it and then like took the temperature of the fire (laughs) and so ray bradbury (laughs) apparently called up a random firehouse and got them to just burn one of their books for no reason other than to tell him what the temperature of that fire was and that's how fahrenheit 451
2: got its name wow that's great uh, one of my favorites is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, oh, yeah. and mm, yeah. it's it's like very slapstick. Like it is more of a like absurd exploration of sci-fi than than like this really heavy exploration of yeah. like feelings and the ethics of AI. It's like no, we're just gonna do more like wordplay and unexpected things and. Uh, just like bouncing off of the wall and uh, I love it I I think it's great mm-hmm. I don't know what themes emerge from it I had a, oh, I had a leather some,
0: bound man. copy of that when I was a teenager and I'd go around reading it all the time and people constantly thought I was reading the Bible <laughs> like they would come <laughs> up and like either like come after me for reading the Bible or like be like uh, good for you son reading the good <laughs> word and it won't happen me and douglas adams
2: (laughs) Mm. (laughs) the word
0: um so
1: i think my favorite science fiction book probably is gonna it would be cat's cradle by kurt vonnegut
0: Mm, hmm yeah um
1: another great writer oh my god i love kurt vonnegut um he's he's fantastic um cat's cradle is a weird one about this It involves this weird like island in the i think like south pacific maybe or 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 the caribbean um and something called ice nine which is a particular way for water to crystallize into ice and like it's this whole elaborate thing but basically like the world ends and and i don't want to spoil it but um it gets awkward (laughs) um (laughs) It freezes freezes
0: everyone's pants, and so they have to walk around bottomless. Well, I mean, I can't can't really, like, how how do you
1: spoil a book that's how many years old? Um, (laughs) So maybe I should just go ahead and say... Uh, no, I mean no, no, I like... We don't want to ruin it for okay. for the, but, it's, the but it's weird, right? Because I don't... you've had 80, uh, 80 years now? 60 years. 60 years I can do uh, that. maybe
2: people are going to pick it up for the first right. time. Right. And I've heard that yeah. uh, Slaughterhouse 5 it is also excellent. Ooh, is Slaughterhouse 5, five is good. fantastic. I've never um, I've never taken the time. Maybe I need to now. But it's very good.
0: Yes. Here's the thing, and I don't know why this is, I am hesitant to like spoil books in a different way than I am about tv movies. series like oh, yeah. tv tv and movies uh, uh like equally because they seem to be more ephemeral i guess like then is that the right word
2: the, yeah no it is um like their their special effects are dated like uh, there's like a date if ephemeral a, role expert... is
0: what i'm looking for um but yeah you're right like the thing is i i think a hundred years from now people are still going to be picking up uh stranger in a strange land or cat's cradle or whatever pat said um (laughs) hitchhikers there we go oh yeah no hitchhikers guide one of my favorite books of all time Uh, but like again weird thing is for me hitchhikers like gets uh categorized intellectually as comedy Mm -hmm. before i even think about it like i don't even think about it as a sci-fi book um but it like it is it doesn't stop it from being sci-fi anymore but these TV shows these movies i I don't expect they're gonna like stand the test of time like even even your star treks that are popular thirty thirty plus years uh after they were originally aired you know who care forty plus years now who who cares like they're probably not gonna be there for the long run
2: I suppose yeah so, some some very particular like aficionados like people who are um you know old you know 19th 20th century uh historians will be will be like you know exploring that but
0: well i mean for sure this podcast will be around then so they can just listen mm-hmm. to this that's true <laughs> and be like damn um, it why didn't they give away the ending there's no more copies that's true. of those books
2: well, I've heard I've heard it said that actually spoiling things, not that we should go around <sighs> spoiling things in this episode, but um well, it we're actually spending enough time
1: talking about it
2: doesn't hurt uh, people's enjoyment of the source material huh. um, that it actually leads them to more enjoy like a twist ending because then they were expecting it the whole time and they found like a bunch of clues along the way. Um Interesting stuff. I mean, I've I've yeah. I've seen a study that said that um, people's enjoyment actually went up instead of down. But I don't <laughs> I think mean, that that means we need to go. I
1: do things. often enjoy things the second more the second time I watch them because I pick up on stuff. So, maybe. Right. Um speaking of though, speaking of movies and TV series, like what's your favorites there? I would go with probably movie-wise so I have a serious answer and a less serious answer. So, Fifth Element is Probably my favorite standalone science fiction movie. Love it. It's so good. I love it, Jim.
0: It's a great
5: honor to be on this talk show. He's so great. Yes, I'm sure you're very excited, but I'm on my vacation. I don't want to be bothered. I prefer to remain anonymous. Bandanas, here he is, the one and only winner of the Gemini Crockett Contest. This boy is fueled like fire. So start melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. He's hot, hot, hot! <laughs> the right size, right build, the right head, the right arm. Right on, right on, And he's got something to say to those 50 billion pair of beers out there. Pop it, D-Man!
3: Uh, hi. Unbelievable!
1: Um, but there's, I mean, honorable mention to a a spoof comedy parody movie that was actually just really, really good and wholesome and a good, solid movie in itself. The greatest movie of the Star Trek franchise, Galaxy Quest.
0: <laughs> no, no, it was <laughs> by graptar's hammer. I already made that joke once. I i love that series so much 100 percent
1: um my favorite my favorite um probably science fiction tv show series and this was a hard decision to come up to come up with these are all hard choices but i went with doctor who um oh yeah that's a
0: good answer
1: that's it's been so long and, and i've seen all the classic episodes and stuff too and and just really really enjoy it there's so much to it it hits on all of the things that you love about sci-fi and quite a few actors because they change up who plays the doctor every couple years
2: it's it's very weird because like i love the douglas adams writing and douglas adams had a huge part in uh writing episodes for doctor who and formulating sort of like what the the show would be about um i like hitchhiker's galaxy (laughs) hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy quite a bit more Mm -hmm. but
0: yes yeah absolutely well just like one doesn't necessarily transfer over to the other
1: yeah they're they're two very different types of things yeah that's fair
0: yeah no it's Um, so it's yeah it's so hard to make these decisions i know um i think if so we we're talking movies right now
2: Yeah. Uh, I think Andy was going through movies and TV shows. I just lumped them in together.
0: Mm.
1: So, like, one of each or a couple?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm thinking... So, this is going to seem weird, but Jurassic Park is... Sure, that counts. in, In terms of, like, things that I remember that had, like, a huge impact on me when I was growing up, that movie, probably more than anything else, like the yeah. that first time I got to see dragon, or <laughs>
2: that
0: first <Dragons>. time I, <laughs> that first time I got to see dinosaurs on the big screen. I mean, I'll never forget the way I felt. I like, I like, I like my feelings like mirrored what was going on on the screen
2: exactly. Yeah. Like that. true, same. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was a breakout um, uh, blockbuster,
0: and I don't like. TV, maybe, probably Firefly, if I had to, like, it, like, it, (laughs) it burned bright and, uh, super fast, but, I mean, some of the best TV that I just keep on revisiting and revisiting, I mean, That show is
1: an absolute masterpiece.
0: It could just be Trek, but, like, I don't know if I watch Trek now because I think it's good, because clearly I've said it's not like there's a bunch of it that is super, super not, but it's also very comfortable. It's comforting to have on in the background. Again, from that like time when I was growing up, I remember like you, you were able to catch uh, episodes of it like pretty often. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember watching it like sort of like (laughs) I had a little ratty TV that I had to like, like move the antenna on. Otherwise you couldn't get the picture and, like, I remember watching it, like, fuzzy. I watched it in our back room that didn't have any heat. So I'd be there, like, watching TV in the middle of the winter in my winter coat. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I would, I would suffer to be able to watch Trek. And so I don't know if that means that it's good because certainly, mm, I mean, horny, erotic ghost.
3: Extremely arousing.
0: Uh, but... <laughs> I mean it it does mean a lot to me. So Yeah. I mean, but then like Mad Max, I mean, do we include Wizard of Oz? You know, like what where where do you draw the line? Yeah. Like what
2: what is it I think Mad Max for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. Wizard of Oz is more of a fantasy.
0: ET Yeah. I mean that for that sure. stuff, but again, I think Firefly is a good choice because I like it because it is phenomenal. There is, is no good.
1: bad episode.
0: Right. Or, and the the movies that got released afterwards were also great. Um,
1: I think there was only one.
0: I'm going to have to check. I, like, I, let's see, fire, die. <laughs> fact check. Um, yeah, we'll just, we'll throw in a fact check. Or actually, so I don't sound dumb, I'll just take
2: it out if I was wrong. Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, so uh, we've already talked about a couple of mine, uh, The Thing and Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, so for sci-fi movies, I'm going to go off on a tangent a little bit. Um, a Clockwork Orange by oh, uh, Stanley nice. Kubrick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, just like a really dark exploration of uh, the psychology of this like young Murderer and rapist, and how they like reprogram him.
5: And what will you do
0: with the big, big, big money?
5: Have you not everything you need? If you need a motor car, you pluck it from the trees. If you need pretty Polly, you take it, brother. You think and talk sometimes
3: like a little child. Little child, yeah. yeah. Tonight
5: we pull a man-sized crest. Tonight's crass. a man-sized crest. Good, real honour show. Yeah. Initiative comes to them that wait. I've taught you much, my little droogies.
2: And then uh, the book is fantastic as well. I think it's Anthony Burgess, and um, the the book goes into a bunch of themes that the the movie really doesn't explore very deeply they mention it like in name um but the idea of like if we can reform criminals by just reprogramming their brains have we done a good thing does goodness really come from that um or are we just leaving them with no choices like an automatic action uh, and that and thus the title the clockwork orange man that's um, a good movie.
0: And I don't even know if I would say like I'm yes, that is a Are good movie. Are you not movie. sure it's sci-fi? No, no, no. I I acknowledge that. What I'm trying to figure out is like I fully acknowledge that it is a good movie. I don't fully know if I enjoy it or not. <laughs> like it is not it is not a movie that I'm going to return to over and over again. Uh
2: <laughs> um not You know because... that's fair. I mean, there's a lot of tough scenes in it um i'm not a very sensitive person so like i'm you know uh, to me that doesn't really bother me but like i could see how it's it's definitely got some disturbing scenes if you are easily triggered i would not recommend the movie to you um yeah it's got (laughs) some of the most violent
1: um, it's been popping up in my queue recently in uh, um and i keep Scrolling past it going, oh, yeah, I would like to watch that, but I am not in the mood for that right now. Right,
0: right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I have to, like, there are certain movies that I have to, like, gear up for. Like, I'm about to jump into a cold pool or something. <laughs> like, ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah. Ooh. Okay, I got it. <laughs> like, tense mm-hmm. myself.
2: Um, um. Yeah, I guess I don't shy away from that, like, gut-wrenching. Because, to me, that gut-wrenching is, like... To me, I associate that with like high art, in a weird way. Like I'm like, ah, yes, this is making me uncomfortable. This must be a very intellectual <laughs> pursuit for <laughs> right. this movie, which is not a good association to have at all. But I, I don't know that I get that association. And then the TV show that I want to plug is uh, actually an anime called Cowboy Bebop. It's an excellent, excellent anime. It's twenty six episodes long. Um, it's about a guy who's born on Mars and uh, his adventures as a bounty hunter with a team of bounty hunters on a ship. So, like, a lot of the time they're confined to um, just this ship and uh, adventures that they get into in, like, the far future. It's, like, a really interesting world. Um, I think, like, that you know, Chinese... Chinese culture um, winds up taking up um, a lot of the way that it it, it does in Firefly. That right. like, everybody speaks Chinese in the future. Mm. Um, you don't see that as much in the language, but you see that in like architecture and like background images and um, just like the the way that the new Mars colony is set up. Um and it's uh it's like a character study it's like a character driven um story and uh, yeah I mean it's one of my favorites it's really really fun
0: well why don't why don't we do this because I think we're starting to come in for a little bit of a landing here soon yeah but what I was gonna suggest is uh I am going to uh, whether you two do it or not is up to you but I'm gonna come up with a top ten list of stuff. Uh, stuff, right? Like, it's it's always all going to be sci-fi. It won't necessarily all be from uh, one medium, so I'll have some books, some TV, some movies in there and stuff like that. Not necessarily of my favorite stuff, but the stuff that I think you should pay attention to or look at, if you haven't looked at it before. I'm certainly... I've never seen Cowboy Bebop. That sounds really interesting to me, so I think I'm going to check that out. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, I'm not a big anime guy, but it's not because... I feel like I'm better than the genre or that I don't want to jump into it or anything. It's just that I don't know where to start. And so that I can start with 26 episodes. That's, that's something I can absolutely do.
2: Have you, have you ever heard the theory that like 90% of everything is crap?
0: <laughs>
2: no, but, but yeah,
0: that that's fair. I also feel like when I think about stuff like that, I have, I have, Terrible taste. Like I can't tell you how many times I have to specifically not go to Rotten Tomatoes a lot of the time before I see something. Because I will go to something and say, Hey, that was pretty good, and then look at Rotten Tomatoes and it got like twelve percent. Like
2: <laughs> uh. Right. I mean to a certain extent you have to ignore those because right. like you can get enjoyment out of a movie that was poorly rated.
0: Yeah, absolutely uh i speaking of sci-fi that i love that no one else in their right mind uh does or should uh Encino man uh
2: starring uh. brendan <laughs> fraser <Wow>. and
0: uh <laughs> oh jeez and polly shore the no. weasel. thanks for
2: reminding me because i had blocked out that memory that of that a good movie one.
0: i love that i love <laughs> that movie and it is objectively terrible it is not a good movie by any stretch, no. Right. Mm. Well, um, you know there is there is one last movie I want to uh, hit on before we like finish up. Um, it's this movie called Precious Moments.
2: Precious Moments. Got him. There it
1: is.
0: Cool. Um, all right, well, I got a precious moment for you. Um, (laughs) I, like, in my head, I thought you were going to say, I gotta take a dump.
2: Well. (laughs) Do you have to take a dump? Oh, yeah, we never mentioned once Rick and Morty on our sci-fi episode.
1: Rick and Morty, honorable mention. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lot of honorable mentions that just didn't get in there, and that's okay. Um, so, my precious moment this week is I'm, I'm gonna start by just reading the headline this is an article from vice judge has no patience for quote buttfucker 3000 end quote in zoom court a michigan oh, man yeah i saw this <laughs> a michigan man showed up to court in a zoom court rather with an unfortunate screen name so Everybody is in a Zoom window, and there's uh, St. Joseph District Court, uh, and you see like all these people. There's a guy in a sweater vest and stuff, and then there's a guy down in the bottom right corner, and the name under his Zoom window is Buttucker Three Thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so the 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 judge Jeffrey Middleton. Um, in St. Joseph County, Michigan and the guy is named Nathan Saxon and he logs in. Um, he's being charged with drug paraphernalia charges. Middleton says, then we'll bring this fool in.
0: <coughs> Good morning, sir. What's your name? Me? Yeah, you. Yes. Nathaniel
2: Saxon, sir.
0: Your name's not but... 3,000 you yo
5: logging into my court with that as your screen name.
4: Well, Why de- that in a little bit? I- uh, what kind of idiot logs into court like
1: that?
2: What's your name again? Nathaniel Saxton, sir. But
1: I don't believe that I typed anything like that in. Well, that's what
2: it says.
4: Well,
0: I, I a that should not yeah, you should. I'll put you in the waiting
2: room. You can sit And, and yeah. then he kicks him out. He actually kicks him out of the Zoom meeting. Right. Like,
0: you can you can be in contempt of court for a bunch of stuff, and that seems like a good reason to call it, like, say, say somebody's in contempt of court.
1: Yep. Yeah, he just kicked him out into the, the Zoom waiting room, made him change the name, and came back in. And, and, and if I'm not well, mistaken, that's, that that's the...
2: I think that's the same judge where um, the guy w- was stuck in the cat face filter. Mr. Ponton, I believe you have a filter turned on in the video
0: settings. Uh, you might want to uh,
4: take,
2: take uh We're trying look.
4: to, we're tr- can you hear me, Judge?
2: I can hear you. I think it's a filter. It, the... it is,
4: and I don't know how to sure. remove it. I've got my assistant here. She's trying to, but uh i'm prepared to go forward with it that's i'm here live that's not i'm not a cat
1: is that the same judge i believe it is i'll have to fact check that. that is unfortunate
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's what you get when you make your uh zoom court public
1: yeah well i i'm fine with that i just oh man that poor judge is getting all the goodies
2: well, that's
0: that's pretty good. I will make sure to include some audio drops in there. Um, and there's there's probably quite a bit of bleeping. Yeah, as you well.
1: may be better off cutting most of me reading transcript and just supplementing, and sticking the video. Or, you know. Oh yeah. no, I
2: think that's I think that's great radio.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: like legitimately. Um. Yeah. So my my precious moment for this week. Um. I just watched. Uh, there is a Don Hertzfeld uh, web short um, called "World of Tomorrow." Don Hertzfeld is the guy who did. If you ever saw um, the rejected cartoons from the early aughts, it was like uh, "My spoon is too big." Yes, were you guys, yes, yes. yes. Were you, yeah. So, uh, were you guys into it, big, big in internet culture at that time? Because I was. Nope. I was big. Uh and uh um... Well and
0: he did the, the weird banana character
2: too and like yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh and... yeah, yeah. Um so he went on to in I think 2015 to 2017, um, he made this three part movie called World of Tomorrow and he released them in little chunks. There's like a seventeen minute one, a twenty three minute one, and a thirty-four minute one. And it's sort of the same, like, animation style. But um, Rejected was filmed entirely, I think, in, like, 9mm film. Like, so he literally filmed his animation. Um, This is the first project that he did digitally. And it definitely fits into the genre of sci-fi. It's brilliant. It's one of the best things that I've ever seen. Um, The third one, like kind of drags a little bit but the first two were just like mind-blowingly amazing like i can't recommend them enough to people um and i don't really want to tell you too much about what the plot is about because uh i mean i don't want to spoil anything for you it's a girl um she meets a time-traveling clone of herself from the future and (laughs) that's that's pretty much all i can divulge but um they're short it's an easy watch unfortunately they're not that easy to access actually um, fun fact because uh, i just
0: looked it up here a uh, don Hertzfeld on his page has uh, a blu-ray res- restoration on youtube of uh it looks like the entire nine minutes of shorts of rejected so oh wow well, i will go ahead and excellent. make sure to include that in the doobly-doo
2: because <laughs> who would want to? Oh miss
0: my god! Right I now? like. I was just like while you were talking. I was. I was. At, I promise you, I was listening to what you're saying. But I'm just like scrolling through and looking at some of these things because they're pretty, pretty slow, uh or they're pretty short. Um, but um, I'll just say my anus is bleeding, and we'll go. Yeah, we'll leave it there.
2: I i wasn't gonna say it but i'm glad you did yes um so check out world of tomorrow um honestly like i laughed i cried and it it gave me more feels than probably any of the other sci-fi that we talked about today it's just like front to back brilliant so can't recommend it enough (laughs) excellent um okay here's what i'd like to talk about uh
0: if i can so sure go ahead (laughs) I am super into, and I want to be clear when I say this, that I'm not as knowledgeable as a person could be, I'm not as well-versed as some people uh, might be, but I genuinely love and spend an inordinate amount of my time listening to 80s and 90s hip-hop. I, I like rap and hip-hop from that uh, genre a lot, and so... Sure not everything sticks with me and also being a dude who is unwilling to say the n-word in any context makes those songs just like a landmine field for me of yeah, like right. what I can remember like I have to not only remember uh, all the words but I need to remember the areas of the song that I need to avoid it's 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 interesting <laughs> right so um, sounds tough so I do more listening than I do memorizing but I love it but what my precious moment is is this thing that somehow like went totally past me it was a song that was done to provoke non-violence called We're All in the Same Gang and uh, it was <laughs> done in 1990 and the list of people on this song are crazy it is uh, uh, Deaf Jeff Tone Loke, Ice-T, Dr. Dre, Easy e Young MC, uh, The Digital Underground, uh, including uh, Humpty Hump and Shock G, uh, who died. unfortunately died recently. Um, so I'm watching this video, and I'm just blown away. Like, person after person after person um, is, like, coming up. And I've never seen it before, so I don't know who to expect next. And uh, it... It finishes out. So N.W.A. comes towards the middle of the video, and uh, Easy is obviously a part of N.W.A. And then Very the much. last person in the video is just Easy by himself. Uh, but the penultimate artist who comes up in this amazing, sort of like, like really intense like rap song is M.C. Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> like. Why? Who invited him? Now, don't get me wrong, one of the first albums I ever bought was MC Hammer, Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him. I love MC Hammer, but to call him, uh, like, a, a good or honest uh, rapper is, no, that's not that's not a thing. He, no. he was novelty rap, and there's nothing wrong with novelty rap. I love me some no- novelty rap, but to put him in that group with other people, like, granted, like, Young MC and Tone Loke certainly had, uh, like, some some novelty rap as well. But, like, MC Hammer just seemed like the guy who uh, did not belong there. And so – but I was like, all right, he's rapping along. He's, like, outside. He's, like, rapping with some kids. And, like, it's cool. They're into it. They like it. But, like, right before his section ends, he decides to jump in and do the hammer dance. (laughs) Like, (laughs) the thing where he spreads his legs and, like, dances side to side – and, like, mm, no, dog. I think it is important uh, to mention that several of the people I didn't mention, as well as MC Hammer, were cut out. <laughs> like, it's a five-minute song that they wanted to trim down to four minutes, and MC Hammer did not make that final cut. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I quite enjoyed it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, we'll make sure we're all the full five-minute MC Hammer-included we're all in the same gang. I'll make sure it um, gets uh, included in the doobly-doo. I'm looking forward to watching that. Awesome. For, but, for uh, posterity. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, I am uh, dropping a new album called I Really Need to Come Up With a Catchphrase. Uh, make sure to check it out.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I hope that we gave you something to think about this week. Love you, Bye. Ender's Game. Have you ever read Ender's Game?
2: I had the ending to Ender's Game spoiled for me. Uh, by uh, an absolute ass. And so I never read it. But I sucks. would like to come. I would like to come back and read
1: it. But yeah, it's a great book. But that is a bad one to
0: spoil the ending to, because yeah, because it's a twist ending.
1: Yeah, and I mean, nothing I, you
0: guys are saying is making the episode right now. That's right. that's fair
1: the um the movie they made a movie version of it which was straight trash even though it had Harrison Harrison Ford. Ford it had Harrison Ford but it was still garbage yeah